The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. A hearty welcome to you. Thank you for joining me today on the program. I have a special guest with me that I know you're going to enjoy. Melissa Ortiz, Senior Advisor for Able Americans Project. That's part of the National Center for Public Policy Research. Melissa was born with Spina Bifida Occulta in one of my favorite areas in the entire country. That's around Nashville. I am... um... The joke is, though, that my family didn't want to claim me because I was the first person in seven generations on my daddy's side not born in a place called Sumner County, Tennessee, and that's um, out in the Hendersonville area. Oh, you I know, love Nashville. it. Yeah. It's, it's a county that butts up against um, Davidson County, which is where Nashville is. And so that is that is where I started out. We, um, To make a long story short, we moved there full-time when I was um, in eighth grade, and so we stayed there. And then I joke about, you know, that Atlanta may have been the city that birthed me, but Nashville is the city that grew me. <laughs> I like and it. I stayed there throughout college and my first working experiences outside of college. And it, and it just, Nashville is very special to me. And in light of what's gone on this week at Covenant, Covenant was my home church when I lived in Nashville. Oh, my and goodness. My heart has just bled this week. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. And that was such a tragedy on every level. And, yeah. you know, the way our country, this is this is perhaps one of the first such incidents of these horrible gun uh, episodes where there is a shooter and mass, uh, ex, uh, mass killings are going on that the government has responded in the way they've done. And sometimes it feels there's more sympathy or empathy given to the fact that the shooter was trans than the, those, Absolutely. those family members who have lost loved ones. It's just unreal. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. I have not been able to contain. I've had to do a lot of writing this week and my poor husband who is by training, um, a counselor has listened, had to listen to a lot of rants this week mm-hmm. uh, because I have just been beside myself with the indignity of it all. Mm-hmm. And I feel for this young woman. I, I am hurt, but I am further angry. I'm angrier with the media and with our government for the way that they have made her into some sort of martyr. Yes. Um, yeah. she, is, she is not a martyr. She is does not have a mental disability. She she was choosing to not deny the reality of who God made her to be. And that's never going to end well. But that said, you know, there was help for her had she wanted it. And she didn't have to go kill six people who, I mean, clearly God allowed them to die. So his purpose for them was finished. But that doesn't mean that it is any less painful, and we don't wonder what else could have been accomplished through their lives had oh, they yeah. been allowed to Oh, live. no doubt, no doubt. And, and, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound meaner than I intended, and I'm, I'm searching for the right words, and I can't find them, but 
all I keep thinking about is I taught school for 10 years and I taught everything from kindergarten through seniors in high school. And all I can think of is spoiled child. She responded as an angry, spoiled child who, mm -hmm. because she was not going to be approved of the way she was, she was going to let everybody know. Yeah. And she took it out on a place and a, she took it out on Christians because Christians the one, were the ones who were strong enough to look at her and say, no, God has made you who he wants you to be. Yeah. I and, agree with and that. I, yeah. I can't, you know, I can't. And the fact that she killed the pastor's child lets me know that that was her intent all along. Oh, my goodness. It's so painful. It's so painful. And having been a pastor for 36 mm. years uh, and having three daughters, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And, my heart's going out and, for them. Yep. And Hallie was Chad's only daughter. And to just to know, um, I I was not there when he was pastor, but I'll never forget the sermon that a pastor, that the, the previous pastor, Jim Bachman, preached. Um, he was talking about they had lost their younger daughter one, one, one year on a family trip. She had gotten away from them at the beach. And um, he said, because I'm dramatic, my mind ran away from me. And all I could think about was preaching Sarah Beth's funeral. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and then who would, who would believe that, you know, 20 years later, the reality would be that the pastor was preaching his daughter's funeral at that church. Yeah, it's just awful. Oh, God, have so. mercy. Have mercy on them. And uh, it, you're yes. the first person I've talked to that has a, uh, you're not a one degree away from, you're actually uh, was a part of that church family. So I'm very sorry for yes. you and Thank you. the sense of loss that I know that brings to you. Uh, Melissa, sadly, uh, it'd be, uh, you know, nice if we only had a few such uh, things that we have to work through. Uh, your life has been a little bit more difficult than what many would think. And when your very birth has brought about uh, some of the things that happened shortly afterwards, although your case of spinal bifida, like you said, it's occulta. And I know yep. that it, it does not present at birth just the same way that uh, other spinal bifida patients. But it, the truth Correct. is you have fought with all of the same things that uh, any spinal bifida patient would fight with, right? Yes. And I mean, I had to learn to walk. My balance was awful. And finally, you know, they talk about aging being not for sissies. Well, aging with a disability really isn't for sissies. And finally, my bo you know, your body's like a machine. And if you use it improperly, either because you choose to or because there's no other way to work it, um, it wears out. And finally, in 2004, Tony and I got married in 2002, and I was using my forearm crutches still most of the time, but there was a surgery that I had right before Tony and I got married and the surgery right after um, I got, we got married that I, coming back from those two surgeries, it became abundantly clear that I needed to, to transition to a wheelchair basically full time. I do still walk in our home. I have a rollator and I'm able to walk, you know, maybe six feet without, you know, complication. Mm -hmm. So I do that, but, you know, so that is, you know, it, using a wheelchair is part of spina bifida, um, the, you know, the walking, all of that. Um, another thing that, and this is what, you know, it's the pressure source from wheelchairs that get infected and go septic. In other words, that infects the entire system. That's what usually kills someone with spina bifida or a, 
a urinary tract infection mm-hmm, right. that goes systemic. And I've had more than one urinary tract infection that has threatened to kill me. So this has been my daily my daily reality. And it's um and it gets interesting um because my husband has said he said I had to learn that you were able to manage yourself and that I did not need to step in until I saw that you were you know, not managing yourself. Right. Oh, wow. But it's, you know, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about the impact. And yet, even as we talk about the things that you and your husband were were working and how he feels at times that as, as a caregiver for you in those yeah. moments, uh, you're still at that point way over the curve in terms of the life expectancy of most people with spinal bifida. Uh, you may yeah. be... You may be at the very, very top one percentile. I'm not sure. I think that I am. I haven't checked lately, but I do know that when the um, I'm I'm a I'm an adult advisor for the Spina Bifida Association, and I do know that when we get together and talk about it, that um, there we're reaching you know we're reaching our upper limits. There's a man that is on our council who is 70, but he like your friend Robbie. Um, mm-hmm is um, he's very small for his age. He didn't grow a lot. And he's still here simply because his body functioned in miniature. Hmm. It fully functioned in miniature, and he had excellent medical care, and he took excellent care of himself. And that's the only reason he's still here nearing the age of 70. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is amazing. Now, again, my friend Robbie that I was telling you about before we began Lived mm-hmm. into his, uh, I think it was his early 20s, I believe. Uh, and what a fine young man he was. And he worked for me. Uh, I would have been right there. It might have been mid-20s uh, when he passed. Mm-hmm. But he was um, he was one of those that did get around, but not uh, without crutches. He, he, right. he was uh, on crutches with a lot of the bracing that they gave him. Yes. I've never seen a young man with a, uh, a one, more wonderful attitude in light of the fact of the hardship of every day that he faced, but you would never know that. And he was on the air for me up in Indiana. I was his Mm. boss and I loved this guy. He was as hard a worker as anyone I've ever worked with. And he was great, but he did not make it. And so often that's what I learned. I mean, he was actually, he had lived longer than most did. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I and thank you for giving him an opportunity at gainful employment. Um, lack of gainful employment is something that people with disabilities face every day. Even I know people with PhDs that are living on the government social security disability income because they can't find anybody willing to hire them. Mm-hmm. So thank you for hiring him and giving him an opportunity yeah. to live a life of dignity oh, through welcome. work. Yeah. Now, I was honored to do that. He again, he earned everything. He was good, and he had his own program, and he had special features that he put together. Yeah, my memory is nothing but great. Mm, now, mm. one thing I want to talk about. Obviously, I want to have you back on in a couple of weeks and really delve sure. into your whole story. But Melissa, you've written something that uh, is titled, and it, it is really written for other parents because you yes. were denied the ability to be a parent yourself through adoption, you wrote this uh, article called The Hard Reality of Parenting 
with a disability. Uh, and you kind of started off with, I think, what is a left field uh, introduction of a subject matter into this discussion <laughs> with artificial AI, intelligence. Yes. Yeah, kind of put that together for us. Okay, I um, March is Disability Awareness Month, or was Disability Awareness Month, and so I was looking for things to talk about that were outside the norm, and I came across this story of this family in New Jersey who um, the, the child welfare system in New Jersey has gone to algorithms, and artificial intelligence picks up al- algorithms. Artificial intelligence can be a godsend for people with disabilities because it enables them to drive cars. It enables them to live on their own. Um, things like Alexa and um, Siri can remind people with disabilities, you know, no, the, the door's not locked. You need to go lock it. Um, it's time to take your medicine. It's time to catheterize. It's all, you know, it, artificial intelligence can be a godsend for people with disabilities. Or if it's used by a social service agencies, the algorithms, if you only depend on the algorithms of the artificial intelligence, it will look like that people with disabilities are not fit parents for whatever reason. Hmm. And so that's how this came about is that their, um, their home, the husband and the wife both have a disability, and their home was targeted for um, an investigation because their child ended up in the hospital I think three times in three months for dehydration because uh, the child was allergic to the mother's breast milk. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't put together as it would have been with a non-disabled parent that would have been looked at. And they would have said, oh, all right, let's put him on formula, on soy milk, or, you know, they would have come up with a solution and left the child in the parent's custody. Instead, they just assumed that the parent, because of the disability, that the parents were not caring for the child properly, and they took the child away. Oh, how horrible. These these parents were not even allowed solo visits with their own child. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, that's and a I, nightmare. I wish I could tell you that it's an isolated incident, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. And you and your own life, you've gone through some of the heartaches that I can tell you right now, looking at the clock, that we're going to have to continue this <laughs> in another one because... It's we're just not going to get. I shouldn't laugh about heartaches, but we've had such a good time, time <laughs> talking that we got to stay on topic. Yeah, we do. We have to do that, and I, I so wish that today I had more time to to get into that. But you did. You got married again. We talked about this earlier. Not trying to draw attention to the fact that you've lived longer than most. Uh, of the uh, patients with this condition. And that's a wonderful thing. But along with that, you've had to also endure some of the, uh, I guess you could say the societal ramifications that they're putting on you that really didn't apply to you at all. Like uh, talking about this AI and the algorithms uh, that kind of puts you into a box that really you don't need to be in and into a thought process by the caseworkers that really don't apply to you. Exactly. And and a big part of the problem, and this is something that I'm doing at the National Center for Public Policy Research through our program, Able Americans, I am addressing these policy issues. What has happened is we have a whole line of people that don't understand the difference between a neurological impairment and a cognitive impairment. And because there are people who have spina bifida who do have cognitive impairments. It depends. Each case is very, very different. But what happens is that instead of 
treating each case as an individual case, judges and social workers look at the diagnosis, as do doctors and other medical professionals, I'm here to tell you, and say, oh, um, this person has spina bifida. They probably have a neurological impairment, so they don't need to be a parent. Mm. And so, you know, and, you know, and I, I had a dear friend who wow. had spina bifida who had a baby. She was in a relationship um, with a, another person who had a disability, and they showed up, up the um, Child Protective Services showed up the day the baby was born and were preparing to take it from her and her father. She has since died, and her father is an attorney, and he sort of said, uh, no, this is not happening until you show me the paper, the proper paperwork. And But what happens to the people that don't have that, um, that don't have somebody in their life that, that will stand for them that way? Right, right. They are left to the mercies of the bureaucrats. Wow. And so what will happen, I know what happened in my case um, we, we were all prepared to adopt. We had money set aside. We were, you know, that was part of our plan when we got married because I could not have children biologically. So we, this was part of our plan. And then through uh, having surgery and this and that, the social worker came to our house to put home health care in place. And she said, oh, no, 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 you will not be allowed to adopt because of Melissa's disability. Mm. And it, it was the most awful. I, I I think we were talking before we started taping. It took me about three hours to process everything she said before I could even talk to my husband about it. Oh, that's so because disappointing. Because it was so horrifying. Yes. And many people with disabilities do not realize that this is the reality. In fact, there are nine states, I believe, still that have laws on the book that allow them to take the child from the parent simply, not if, if there's been a report from social services. They are allowed to go in and take that child away from their birth parents because of a disability. Hmm. And unfortunately, the Dis- District of Columbia is one of them. We just recently moved out of the District of Columbia. But that is, so that always comes to my mind. And it just rankles me that bureaucrats, based on faulty and faulty understanding of medical conditions, are allowed to make these decisions. Well, we're out of time for this segment, but I'm going to have Melissa Ortiz back, and I'll get that scheduled later today. Melissa, thank you for being with me and sharing all of this. Now, if you'd like to reach out to Melissa, here are a couple of ways to do that. On the web, go to nationalcenter.org slash Able Americans, all one word, Able Americans. Or you can go to Instagram or Twitter, use the handle at DC Bell, that's B E L L E, on wheels. DC Bell on wheels. Your plight is important, your fight is critical, and thank you for being the warrior, the princess warrior, as Colonel West has called you. Thank you for being on my program, too. Oh, I'm delighted. Looking forward to coming back. All right, we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, 
EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. On the line with me right now for segment two is Teresa Krager. Teresa is a member of this organization that we've talked about many times on the program, Samaritan Ministries International. She is with them, but she's also an author, and we're going to be talking about both of these things. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to meet you, and I am honored to be on your program. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get involved with Samaritan? Yes, we heard about Samaritan Ministries um, from a friend who's, who's an doctor and a father of 10, and he highly recommended um, Samaritan Ministries, and of course, we valued his opinion. So after I retired from teaching, we became members. And that's, uh, what type of teaching job did you have? So I taught kindergarten and first grade for 27 years, and uh, God called me out of that when I retired and began, you know, I began this new journey, this adventure of writing children's picture books. Oh, and I um, contacted Samaritan Ministries because they have a monthly, a wonderful newsletter. And, you know, I let them know that I wrote um, faith-based children's picture books and one particularly on, on the baby, the preborn baby in the womb that celebrates life. And so they contacted me about doing the feature article in January. Um, well, January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, so that's when my article appeared mm-hmm. and, and how we connected. I know it's got to bother you, Teresa, having that many years invested. When you look around at what's happening in the public schools, and in particular, uh, what's happening in libraries in these schools, what the kids are being shown in these books, it's rather upsetting, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it's the parents. Parents need to do their due diligence to know what is happening in their classroom and what is available to their children in the library and be looking at what comes home in their backpacks and asking, you know, their children what kind of things they're hearing. Um, but it's the, and the, it's the parents' job, you know, to to check that out. Well, I would agree, and uh, I think a lot of uh, school administrators would disagree with you on that one, because it seems like more and more they are leaning into this thing that it's the village that's going to raise the child, not the parents, and the parents really just need to get out of the way and let their kids do what they feel like they want to do or become what they want to be. Let's get back, though. What were your first thoughts after you joined Samaritan? Tell us about that. Yes. um, You know, when we learned about it, um, I, you know, I retired from teaching and started looking around at my options and saw the two biggest problems in the regular medical insurance companies were that our money would go to pay for abortions, which we did not want to support. And second, that medical insurance was very, very expensive. Um, my, the share amount that we give, that we send through Samaritan Ministries each month is hundreds of dollars less than what you would pay for regular health care insurance. It's true, and we experience the same thing. And then you get the added benefit of these people caring and actually praying for each other, the members. Right. One of the unique right. things that we found, 
you don't actually send in a premium like you do in traditional insurance. You send right. out a share, is what, as you've just said, and that share goes directly to the person who had some sort of uh, outgoing expense for something right. health-wise. And so you get a chance to touch them and actually send a, 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 you know, a note to them and pray for them, right? Right. That's, you know, that's a great point. Those are great points. You know, Samaritan Ministries is a ministry based on biblical principles. So it's organized in such a way that the body of Christ, the church, you know, is reaching out and sharing with others in need. You know, we pray for each other. We help, you know, we're helping other believers just like scripture tells us to do. Um, in, In the last eight years, we've, you know, in eight years, we've had several needs. You know, but nothing major, thank the Lord. But, um, you know, we pay our initial portion and um, we send, you know, the bills in to Samaritan and they divvy them out to believers who then send us, you know, to ch- the checks to help us with with the bills we've received. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a great community. Like you said, you, there's, you're praying for each other. You're sending cards of encouragement, you know, and comfort to to others and and there there is no network re, uh, restrictions with Samaritan Ministries. You get to share or you get to choose your health care provider, the hospital and the pharmacy. And they also have great resources to help you find fair prices because the prices out there range, you know, and there's there's a big price range difference. Oh yeah, there so is. They have to find that. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about Obamacare when that first came out. Uh, all Americans were promised that they'll get to keep their own doctors. And boy, did we ever find out that that wasn't exactly the case. And not only that, the whole thing of it being called the Affordable Care Act. You talk about a suspicious name. That one was suspicious without a doubt. And it turned out to be not true at all. Uh, right. And that, that's what drove us to Samaritan. Because uh, I went on, I went on Medicare personally, and we were trying to provide uh, the same insurance through Obamacare for my wife, and the premium was a shocking eighteen hundred dollars a month. Whoa! Whoa! So, so we couldn't do it, and that's no. what drove us. I mean, and yet that was the very best that uh, was available, and I know many people experienced the same thing that we did. Wow. So, yeah, you can be thankful for whatever it is that you and your family are paying. It is nowhere near that figure. That's for a fact, right? Nowhere near. I, I pay, you know, a few hundred per month. And that's for me alone because my husband also is on Medicare. And that figure, 1800 was just on her, a healthy woman with no problems. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. That's just I nuts. I can't imagine. Mine is less than 300 a month. Wow. Well, I encourage people uh, to get in touch with Samaritan Ministries. And I don't know if you have that website. I'm looking for it right now. Uh, I do. org. Oh, good. And we wanted to get that out there and back up. It is such a great organization. And we encourage you to, to look at that. Now, you mentioned your book was featured in the newsletter uh, what uh, exactly, what kind of direction did you start off on uh, as you are retiring from teaching and now you have this heart to write books? What started you off in the direction of a children's picture book? What happened there? Yeah, it was a total God thing. I never planned to be an author. 
you know, but all through my career and parenting, I do have that natural creative knack where I write songs and poems and things, you know, to help my students and, and do fun things with my kids. Um, but it was just something God instilled in my heart. I do have the love of teaching and the love of God's word. And God just um, drew me to that and started waking me up in the middle of the night with stories, you know, and I'm like, really, God, We're, am I getting up now? You know, And, <laughs> and so it, it began this exciting adventure in a whole new, you know, career that I knew nothing about being an author. Um, so that was, you know, a bit of a journey learning um, how to do that. But um, the book Before Your Birthday, and birthday is two separate words, Before Your Birthday um, came to be when um, we learned that my son and daughter-in-law were expecting their first child. And, of course, we were so excited, and I learned out about pregnancy apps you know, which gave all kinds of information about how the baby was growing and what size it was and how it was developing each week. But I just had to learn more, mm -hmm. and I was compelled to do more research, and I felt the need to create a picture book and share this information with others, you know, for, for children and adults. Now, how did so you they, generate those pictures? So that I had God sent, God lined me, aligned me up with the perfect illustrator, um, because not everyone can, you know, draw the preborn baby in the womb. So Talita Dahl, her favorite thing to draw is babies. And she's an illustrator from Brazil living in Canada. And she's incredible. And the book, it shows, um, it, she did this wonderful thing where you see that the mom you know, just going about her day, doing whatever. But there's like this window into her womb where you can see through and see the baby. And, and then, of course, it's development. Oh, um, that's great. How did you find her? This is illustrator. How did I find her? Yeah, how did you find her? Um, I'm a member of SCBWI. That's the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. I looked on their website, and I could see her portfolio. Wow. That's great. I, I didn't even know that thing believer, existed. Of course, you know, it's not a Christian organization, but God connected me with another Christian. Yeah, that's wonderful. And what are the books that you've got in uh, view right now? So I have Before Your Birthday um, was, was um, published in summer of 2020. In 2021, um, I... Um, Elk Lake Publishing published my second book, Adam Plus One, which is a fun, like a rhyming romp in the Garden of Eden where Adam is searching for his partner and no animal with scales, fur, or feathers is quite up to par when Adam is looking for a real-life partner. That's right. And of course, we know God steps in to create one more. Yes, he did. Oh my goodness, and that I sounds have great. another book coming out in September, this September 2023, called The Greatest Book Ever, a little book about the greatest book. And that's like a highlight reel, zooming through scriptures, you know, highlighting Bible characters and by dramatic events and amazing miracles, just to like get kids excited and spike their curiosity about God's Word. In the back are all the scripture references for all like 40 some Bible stories mentioned. So that will help parents as well. That sounds so great. Now, 
you're writing a book at a pretty good clip here since you've started doing this. Your first book that you mentioned about your birthday was, what year was that? You said 2020? Yes. How long does it take to put together all of this and go through that process? Um, you know, for me to do all my background information was probably about a year. And then once I got a contract with a publisher, um, the small publisher, it took about a year for a book to come out. With a larger publisher, my next book um, is with Lifeway, with B&H, um, and that takes two years because of, you know, all the delays in, in getting the books printed and things like that. Now, I would have to say, I, I talk to a lot of authors. Not everybody that I talk to uh, is with an, a publisher as big as Lifeway. How, how did that process, if you don't mind sharing, did you approach them or did they approach you? Uh, that's my agent's work. You know, um, I don't know if they take unsolicited manuscripts. A lot, most of the large publishers don't. So um, my agent would um, know, you know, contact editors within the bigger publishers. And so she sent my manuscript. Wow. And they offered a contract. Teresa, it sounds to me like you've got a good agent. <laughs> that's wonderful. I do. I do. Oh, that's great. Well, this is... Karen this Newmare. Is, Her name is Karen Newmare at Credo Publishing. Wow. Credo Communication, yes. Well, you've got a good team. You, uh, The Lord just opened the door for you to find a publisher, uh, an agent, obviously, that's connected you to a good publisher, a great publisher. So that means your works are really going to be spread nationally uh, uh, and distributed in all these ways. That's pretty great. And then you've got it's this great. illustrator that is also working with you. And uh, this is great. Uh, do you see any, like, uh, a number of when you accomplish X number of books that you'll hang up the pen, so to speak? Or is that what's going to happen? Or do you just want to continue doing this? Never. I mean, God has a work for me to do. God has a work for us all to do. And as long as he keeps giving me book ideas, I have another four manuscripts ready to go. We're trying to find a home for them. And um, it's it's just a delight to serve the Lord and to see what doors he opens, because this is not my doing. You know, it's like I can knock and knock on doors and get those rejection letters. And uh, it, it takes the Lord to open those doors. Well, we pray that uh, this book coming out with Lifeway will be a great success for you and that that door won't have to be reopened afterwards. Yes. Well, I know your book is endorsed not only from Samaritan, but also all of this, these people in the medical community. Give us the details on that book again about the birthday. Yes. Um, Before Your Birthday is, uh, it traces the miraculous milestones, the development of the preborn baby. It's written in rhyme. And it describes how each precious child is wonderfully woven by God. Uh, the picture book makes a great gift for expecting moms or for that child with a sibling on the way. Um, a gal recently told me it, was, it would work well for expecting parents to give it to the grandparents as a way to announce their birth announcement right, or their expectancy that they are expecting. Sure. So that was great, too. And your website for how people can get a hold of this on the internet. Yes. Um, the book is actually for sale on my website, but also if people want to go to Target or Walmart website 
and as well as Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Sometimes besides the title before your birth day, two different words, you might need to add my last name, Krager. So um, let me spell, my website is TeresaKrager.com. Um, but you have to know how to spell Teresa and Krager, right? That's so, right. Um, they, they both have six letters and no extra vowels, so or no, no extra letters. So Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A, and Krager, K-R-A-G-E-R. So TeresaKrager.com. There you can you can you know order the books directly through me. There's there's a contact. Um, Link there also on my website are free fun resources, you know, activities you can do with your kiddos, like scripture studies and um, word searches. And there's a, a song I wrote, and all kinds of free things for parents to download. I'm also on Facebook. I have a blog for adults, a de- weekly devotional called Wednesday Whisper, a weekly word of encouragement. And you can find that link at TeresaCrager.com as well. Oh, Let me spell great. it one more time. T-E-R-E-S-A-K-R-A-G-E-R.com. All right. And if you buy my book, leave a review because that, that's something we authors need. Yeah, yeah, it's very important. Teresa, thank you for being with me on the program. Uh, we're up against a break. We're going to have to make way for our segment three coming up in a moment. We'll see you in uh, just a few. Once again, thanks to Teresa Krager. We'll be back in just a moment. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Here we are for segment three, and my guest in the studio is Brianna Burdett. You're part of this fantastic place in Winter Park called Allegro. Now, I've got to say, as a former band musician in school, I played sax before I got on the guitar, which became my life. So I saw the word Allegro Mm -hmm. all the time in music. And uh, that's the name of the senior center that you work in. How long have you been doing this? So I actually have been up with Allegro for the entirety of the community. Uh, So I started about six years ago when it was under construction and we had a visitor center, which was essentially a trailer in the parking lot uh, that we worked from and watch it grow and and become what it is today. Uh, But I love that you picked up on on that Allegro terminology because it it is a musical term and it means lively. Yes. And that's what we want in our community is is a lively, inspired type of of option. Play it with Allegro. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I can like... hear my band director now. Yeah, that's it. And you know, this uh, thing of senior citizens getting older, uh, working with seniors, uh, the baby boomers are, have been there for now for a while. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a, a growing in Central Florida, a growing senior population. A lot of people are choosing the lifestyle and the comfort even the care. Now, a lot of places offer one of the three kind of services that you offer, but not all three. You offer all of them, independent, plus then you have those that need assistance, Mm -hmm. assisted living, 
And then you also have a third option, and that is for memory care. Is that right? That is. That is. So it's it's still assisted living, but it's a secured small assisted living. So uh, great for those that have Alzheimer's or dementia and need that type of supportive environment. Because that is an around-the-clock kind of care thing for those, right? 100%. 100%. So you're able to do all of that. Tell us a little bit about this piece of property. Where is it? Uh, what what uh, is offered there? Yeah, so we're we're located off of Hal Branch Road, uh, very close to the intersection of Hal Branch and 436. Uh, we're called Allegro, and we offer independent living, assisted living, and memory care, and it's all under one roof, which is a beautiful option, I believe, just because it allows our residents in independent living and assisted living to enjoy the same community and the same amenities. And so, somebody that comes in and starts in the independent portion can naturally transition when they're ready, but they're not going to be sacrificing anything because they need a little bit of help. They Mm -hmm. still have access to the pool. They still have access to the beautiful activities, to their friends in independent living. They're not going to sacrifice it just because they're going to move to a different area within the community, which it's essentially just a, a different hallway. Now, you've been there long enough where you've probably seen that kind of transition. Right? Yes, very much so. Very mm-hmm. much so. I, I always believe in in coming in as independent as you can to truly get the the value, I think, out of, of the community and, and all the programming that we offer. But yes, it's, it's wonderful that we're able to keep our residents and they'll make that transition to the assisted living and then sometimes even to the memory care neighborhood once it's, it's more appropriate for them. Talk a little bit about uh, the process of uh, getting in as a resident. How does that happen? So a lot of times I'll meet with the the resident or their their family and give them a tour of the community and really try to paint a picture for them of what their life would be like when if they chose our community. Mm-hmm. Really paint that picture. This is where you're going to come down for breakfast. All of that kind of stuff. This is where you'll come if you want to read a book for in the library. So I think that that is one of the things that uh, is very important is to go on tours. Uh, it, it takes a lot of time and energy, but it's very important to get eyes on the community that you're going to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, pictures can sometimes be deceiving. So going in and, and it's almost like when you go to uh, go pick a college, you want to go visit it, feel which one feels like home to you. And, and I think that that is hugely important. So uh, come in, start the tour process. Uh, and then uh, if we're talking about independent living, there's the there's not going to be a huge medical type of need uh, as far as uh, background mm-hmm kind of thing. What kind of official work does one, if they do have medical problems, what do they have to go through? So there's an assessment process when somebody is moving into any assisted living in the state of Florida. Uh, There's a medical form that their doctor actually has to complete telling the assisted living what they think we, they should be doing. Mm-hmm. So they'll look at their activities of daily living. So things like toileting and dressing and grooming and, and ambulation and let them know, are they completely independent? Do they need supervision or do they need assistance? So then what happens is uh, the prospective resident comes and actually meets with, with the nurse of the, the community and has that that's where it's important to have that open and honest communication because mm-hmm. this is where we're truly fine-tuning the care plan okay your doctor feels like we should be helping you with some showering so what days of the week do we want to schedule that on do you prefer mornings or evenings and hugely important is just that open and honest communication we want our residents to be as independent as they can for themselves we're just there to meet them where they have that, that those needs now what about food because hey i'm a i'm a lover <laughs> of food what happens uh there because i know you've got again all three of these groups mm-hmm. and they're they're important groups so you have you take care of them 
We do, we do. And no matter where you go, again, in the state of Florida, meals are required to be provided. So three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we have snacks available between times. Now, independent living is set up a little bit differently. Uh, Those residents are afforded a full kitchen within their apartments, but a lot of times they don't want to do as much cooking. So we include uh, about an average of two meals a day uh, within the rates. Essentially, they get a breakfast and then we do dining dollars where it's set up sort of like a country club is where they get, they're afforded so many dollars each month. And as they're coming down to the restaurants in the community, there's prices on the the menu and uh, it's just done like a spend down. Mm-hmm. All right. That's really nice. And it's, it's a good choice for people to do this when they, uh, you know, it's good. I think it's a great idea to kind of work your way up to that assistant if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of that, is this a difficult thing for a lot of people to do to be able to afford to live at one of these centers like what you work at? I, I do think that there's a there's a lot of money that can be definitely involved in, in independent living, assisted living and memory care. But there are ways out there uh, for money to be available. Uh, Some people have invested in long-term care policies. And a lot of times I find that they don't even realize that they have these policies that are sitting there that will actually pay for assisted living, either entirely or a great portion of it. Uh, Then there's also a benefit that is out there for veterans. It's called aid and attendance. And I, it bothers me so much that not every veteran uh, out there knows about this, this uh, benefit, but uh, there is an application process and you do have to qualify for this, this benefit, but there is money available for, for veterans and their spouses or surviving spouses that can help pay for the cost of, of assisted living and memory care. What's the usual time that a person needs to have, let's say a window from the time they start investigating Allegro? Mm-hmm. And they actually move in. What What is that span of time like? Oh man, that can that varies quite a quite a bit. I have some that that come in and they really just love it, and they they've been in community types of settings in their past, and so I think it's a little bit easier for them. And they come in, love it, and they want to move in right away. I have others that. I've been talking to for the six years that I've been with Allegro and uh, they just haven't found that that time or maybe that event. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some have acknowledged that they're waiting for an event uh, to make a move. I could only imagine you've been there six years. Mm -hmm. What was it like during COVID? Oh, goodness. Uh, During COVID, it was it was very, very frustrating and uh, very so different. It was the exact opposite of what right. we offer and what we encourage that community, that that engagement with others. But I'm so proud of the fact that we we did keep our residents safe. Um, we were on lockdown just like the the entire country was, and but our residents were safe. Uh, we did not have anybody pass away from COVID, which oh, that's was amazing. Good yeah. um, and I actually did a really neat interview with several of my residents early on in COVID. What do you think life would be like if you were at home right now? Do you think that what what would this look like? How would you be getting your groceries? And so many of them were so thankful that they were in a community setting. No, we were not doing our happy hours and, you know, all of that fun stuff like we we had because we had to socially distance for a while, all of that kind of stuff and slowly brought all of that back. Uh, But they knew breakfast, lunch and dinner was going to be at their door. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody was running out of toilet paper, and they didn't have a way to get to the grocery store. Well, first of all, we might have some on hand that we you just brought back off, a very <laughs> bad memory. <laughs> exactly. We, 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 I think we've all done a really, really good oh, job man. on forgetting that very yeah. first part of, of what COVID brought oh, for us. Goodness. So, um, thankful that it it is 
for the most part over. Yes. I remember sitting, well, two, really two big pieces of news uh, came during this time where we had a family member visiting us and got sick mm-hmm. and needed to go to the hospital, which they went to the Altamont uh, Hospital uh, Advent there in Altamont on 436. And while we were there, it was announced on the news that the very first COVID patient in Florida was at the Advent Hospital in Altamont. We, oh. were, we were there and I'm thinking, Wow, that we picked a great time to be here. And then secondly, I'm up there and my wife says, Mike, I just saw a news report that toilet paper is not available. I said, that's got to be wrong, huh? That can't be. So I said, I'm on my way home. I'm going to swing into Target. I want you to know they had one package and I got it. And it was probably triple the price of what oh, you would normally well, I don't, I, it was. It's just crazy. And that whole time frame, I, I pray we never get back to that again. Yeah. Like I said, I think we d- we're doing a really good job of almost like blocking out that yeah. portion of our, our memory. <laughs> Remove the memory, Lord, yeah. please. Uh, what do you like most about what you get to do at Allegro? What I like most is, so I'm that initial person that somebody meets with when they're considering or considering, considering senior living. Mm -hmm. And it's such a a hard process. But what I love most is when we're sitting back, you know, after they've already moved in and it's a couple years down the road, I have a wonderful, wonderful story that I I remember so fondly. It was a family that was just a very difficult move and just so emotional, you know, leaving the house, all of that. Uh, But then mom's walking in our fashion show for uh, the Mother's Day. And, you know, I look at her daughter and she's sitting next to me and I go, so a couple of years ago, you thought we'd be sitting here right now. And she started crying because she's like, it was so emotional for her seeing what her parents were going through. And so that good side of, of quality of life, that is what I enjoy with what I do. I think anytime you're helping other people. There's a, a special kind of endorphin that is released mm-hmm. in our own hearts, that and that's what you're experiencing. Give us the details on how people can find out about Allegro. Yeah, so if anybody is interested in Allegro, they can find us online, uh, or they can give me a call. My phone number at the community, it's 407 622 But we're also located at AllegroLiving.com. Uh, you'll find we do have several properties, uh, but we're located in Winter Park off of Hell Branch Road. All right. And uh, this has been uh, Brianna that's been with us here today. Brianna Burdett from Allegro. We wish you the best and really uh, thank you for what you're doing to care for people the way you're doing it. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. You've got it. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.